You are now listening to the Glowing Older Podcast, brought to you by Senior Trade, the leading platform for the business of aging well. Download the 2022 trend report at SeniorTrade.com. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in senior living. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm so pleased to be here today with Scott McCorvey, CEO of Vita Senior Living and host of the Inner Circle of Senior Living podcast. Welcome to the program, Scott. Thanks, Nancy. Appreciate the invite and uh, love talking with others that are passionate about senior living. So um, excited to, to chat with you today. Well, thank you. And as you know, yours was the first podcast that I ever listened to when I was Aww. getting into senior living. So this is an honor. <laughs> You're the one. Okay. I was curious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, well, before we dig into Vita, uh, your new company, tell us a little bit about your podcast, The Inner Circle of Senior Living, um, and uh, what was your motivation for starting it and share some milestones? Yeah, Nancy, that's a great question. So I'm very passionate about senior living, just found an extreme love for it early in my career. So I was looking for ways to try to, you know, kind of funnel that passion. Um, also, I love trying to teach others um, that are trying to get into the industry or new to senior living. So it was really combining both of those plus my love for podcasts because I just love the format of being able to get on-demand content anytime, anywhere I want. Um, and, and there just wasn't anything at the time that was really uh, having that, that, that content in senior living that I was looking for to really expand and grow as the industry matures. So it was all of that combined together that I just knew in my heart it was time to, to start it about three years ago. Um, so I just started just talking to myself about just random topics that I thought would provide value to folks, uh, but did turn into a really nice platform, a uh, really good industry resource um, in a way for me and, and just everyone um, that's part of it uh, to really try to improve our industry, uh, try to help each other. Uh, so that's really the nucleus of the platform, way to improve our senior living industry as we experience so much growth. Uh, but just I've been overwhelmed by the, the amazing support um, and the different guests that have come on the show has been has been truly awesome. So thanks. I appreciate you uh, listening and uh, listening early. And um, last year, I didn't do as many shows, but looking to do much more content this year. Well, how did you get into the senior living industry? Tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, absolutely. So I started, I was, I went to Florida State University. I was in the real estate program there. Uh, senior living was not on my radar. I had no idea what it was. Um, there was a group called Health Trust. Uh, it's a national appraisal market study firm. And they were recruiting out of the FSU real estate program. They had some alumni from, from Florida State. So I started talking with different groups. And um, once I started thinking about the demographics and the aging of, of America and the amount of money that's going in the healthcare sector. I just thought it was, you know, at the time, just a smart decision to specialize in to senior living. It was still just an emerging product. But it was shortly after that, I truly found a love for it. Uh, at first, it was just more of kind of, you know, a fascination of this specialization that was just starting out. But then I saw that it was truly making an impact to residents, families, and communities. And that's when I really fell in love with it, that it was way more than just the real estate, that if it was done and done right, it can make a huge impact and be and do a lot of good. Uh, so that's really what I fell in love with it, is that it was more than the real estate, that it was really um, you know, these uh, businesses, if you will, that are making a true impact if they're operated correctly. Your new company, Vita, uh, you have... Um really a lot of improvement strategies and uh, fresh ways of doing things. So tell us a little bit about your new company. 
Absolutely. I've been telling folks I've been, uh, feels like I've been preparing this for the last 18 years in the industry, um, but I'm so excited and grateful to be at this point now. Worked with some amazing operators through the years, which uh, gave me an opportunity to really understand and glean best practices from groups. Um, one thing I, I, I knew what separated good to great operators, in my opinion, was culture. So that was the first thing is really having a strong defined culture. Uh, and what is culture? That's a good uh, question. I'd say culture is everything that goes into your company, um, you know, that really provides leadership and direction. Um, and that's something that I saw was desperately needed in senior living. Working with a lot of different operators, everyone has a different culture and way of doing things. Um, but I knew that groups that had a strong culture and way of leading and guiding with servant arts definitely um, seemed to be top performers in the industry and some of the best performers that I worked with. So the first thing I did was really try to define a strong culture, uh, culture based on care, culture, culture based on um, innovation and trying to put in the, the latest advance in, in cognition improvement care as well as um, efficiency. Um, and also looking for ways to reduce waste and, and increase efficiency uh, operationally. So if that's staffing or any other ways we can try to reduce um, some of the costs to be more efficient. So that's really the the focus. Um, I find found a need, especially right now, just because so many different groups entered senior living over the past few years, and because of COVID or other reasons, are looking to exit. Uh, so there is a lot of opportunities of groups looking to sell their communities, um, and so that's really create an environment that um, you know, with thoughtful strategy, um, purchasing these communities and then putting in local operations. That's one of the focuses too. Um, there's so many different operators that have, you know, a large footprint and they operate either nationally or in a large geographic presence. Uh, but I wanted my footprint to be really defined, really refined down to just Florida. So that's where I'm just focused on right now, just Florida. Um, so that gives us a couple of advantages. One, we can be true market leaders in every market. So truly understanding all the fundamentals on each market, I was, it goes to um, referral sources, as well as the competition and regulations, as well as the labor markets, which are really uh, tight right now, as you know. So we're finding our footprint. We can be really true market leaders uh, and truly understand all the fundamentals in each of the different markets. Um, on top of that, we can continually visit our properties, which I think is a huge beneficial part too, providing that ongoing leadership support and training. A lot of communities just want that attention from corporate. You know, um, I've been to some over the last few years, and a lot of this is because of COVID, where corporate or operator hasn't visited the actual community in over two years, you know, and it's just, I want to be able to visit our communities um, regularly and cut down travel. So that's another reason we're cutting the footprint to Florida. So it's really kind of uh, the overall basis of the company is uh, acquiring underperforming communities in Florida and transitioning out remote or national operators with our local Florida-based operations team, and then putting some of these more care-based strategies and policies um, and putting more efficient practices as well too. One of the great things working with so many operators through the years and digging through financials is understanding um, optimal practices on expenses per resident day on different departments and efficient staffing and things like that. So seeing how groups have really operated efficiently and trying to replicate that efficient, those efficient patterns. So one of the things we do in every acquisition is we underwrite the real estate as well as the operations. 
And on the operations, we dig through historical financials, um, occupancy patterns, rent rolls, as well as staffing patterns, and look for areas that we can try to improve that by coming in. And then we formulate a plan during the due diligence process that we can implement at closing. Um, so that's um, with the real estate. So it might be some cosmetic improvements, um, some design upgrades, maybe some unit conversions, uh, as well as upgraded operational platforms, um, geared on efficiency and upgraded resident experience and our sales and marketing strategy uh, really focused on that resident satisfaction and rewarding that word of mouth through our referral programs. So super exciting. And then technology is the last piece too, really leveraging the latest technologies um, that can really impact that resident experience and that resident satisfaction and family satisfaction, as well as more operational efficiency, again, trying to reduce costs so we can have more of an affordable product and hit more of a demand. Uh, so that's super excited. We're just uh, just launched here in the last few months, but um, gaining a lot of traction, working on a pipeline of opportunities right now and hope to be closing some in the next few months and then actively operating from there. And tell us a little bit about the market for senior living in Florida. Obviously, it's the first place you think of when you think of retirement, but um, why Florida? Florida for a couple of reasons. <clears throat> One, I'm a I'm a true Floridian. I was born here, so oh, <laughs> okay. there's not as many of us. There's so many people have moved to Florida in the last 20 years. Um, but I'm a true Floridian. I, I love the state. I've lived other states, but I'm a true Floridian. Um, currently live in West Palm Beach, so South Florida, but relocating back to Orlando, Florida here shortly uh, to be more centralized. Um, but Florida's got a lot of great aspects. You mentioned one even before COVID. The number of seniors and the senior, senior demographic growth is really tremendous, especially compared to other states and other markets. Um, also, it's a very pro-business state, so um, very pro-business regulation, um, and especially some of this liability litigation for COVID coming out of uh, the COVID environment. Also, just real estate in general in Florida is very strong right now. We've had, because of COVID, a lot of net migration, a lot of folks moving from other states into Florida, which has really increased the overall housing real estate prices. And in Orlando, it's it's kind of bad and good at the same time if you're in real estate. But the the multifamily or the apartment rental um, rates increased an average 25% last year, which is just crazy in Orlando, wow. MSA. South Florida, it's, it's up to 30%. And this is in just real estate in general because of so many new people moving into the um, into the state. And so what that does though is it does start impacting real estate. Um, you know, when when single family houses go up, that starts to impact um, you know the buying power. So the rental markets start going up, uh, the rental rates as we're seeing, and that starts to trickle over into all of real estate. Uh, so we should start seeing that more on the senior side. Um, you know, I'm not saying 25% <laughs> rental increases right. on seniors, but just the trickle down real estate effect um, is is going to play into it as well. Real estate values are going to rise throughout the board in Florida, just um, from the new demographics the last few years. <clears throat> so that's it. And just the number and the number of diverse markets in Florida. Uh, so limiting it to one state, we have one set of regulations, one state of uh, regulatory boards. However, many different markets that we can really be effective in. Uh, so that's um, one of the reasons as well. But yeah, super excited. Um, already have a pretty strong pipeline of Florida. Always looking for more. So feel free to reach out. And if you, any <laughs> of the audience, uh, have any or hear of any Florida opportunities, but I'm um, excited for the growth prospects in the state. What um, What's your feeling on adapted reuse? I've, I've heard good and bad on that from, from hotels. It's hard. 
it's really hard to do. Yeah. You know, I've multifamily, I think, is doing a better job of it right now. There's especially there's a few different companies that are buying, I call them distressed, you know, multi, uh, hospitality. And there's a bunch of that, a lot of it due to COVID and the, you know, downturn in the travel business in the last few years. Um, it's just, it's hard. Active dollar independent living is kind of the easiest solution just because the code regulations to convert to assisted living usually make it unfeasible. Um, all the costs that go into it on top of the design components, um, you know, it's it's hard security wise. You really need interior doors, so that cuts out a lot of um, the distress product. Um, on top of that, you got to have you know dining services. So you got to have a full service kitchen, <laughs> which again uh, cuts down a lot of that. Unless you're kind of targeting more of that active adult um, market, and you can you know have some more outsourced food services. Uh, but you know overall. I've looked at a ton of different opportunities, but I haven't seen any that uh, are really feasible just because of the amount of costs that go into trying to convert it. And then you've got to put in all the different amenities. And then um, a lot of times the different regulations specific to assisted living and memory care with door sizes and bathroom regulations and uh, ADA compliance. Uh, it's just, it's, it's hard to make the numbers work. So even though I, I like the idea of it, um, it's just, it's hard. I haven't seen, I've seen a few of them done that have been successful. I've seen a lot of them try to do it that haven't been successful. And I see a lot trying to do it right now. Uh, so I'm continuing to watch it, but I like more purpose-built uh, senior living. You know, I heard that from James Graber from CBRE. He said absolutely no on the adapted reuse and a couple of the other operators. But I did listen to a webinar from Lloyd Jones about a year and a half ago, and they were saying, oh, adapted reuse is the biggest <laughs> opportunity, right? So it's interesting how the proof is in the pudding. It really doesn't work when you when you try to add all the costs in and all the, the adaption. And that's the thing, too. And, and, you know, part of it is the residents want a larger unit, too, and the families want mom and dad in a one-bedroom, you know, versus studio. One-bedrooms are more desired over over studio units just for this perception mindset, I think, more than anything, even though the cost point is cheaper on a studio. It's just having that one-bedroom. I think families feel just more comfortable to it. So that's part of it as well. There's just not as many one-bedroom options in hotels. Um, so it just takes more to convert them. Uh, and then when you do, you've got to put in more plumbing and, and, and electrical and things. Um, so I, I like trying to think creative and things like that. But it's, I think it's, it's hard in hospitality to do a true, really good conversion. And it might look good on paper, but then you got to actually sell, you know, the units. And that's the challenge I've seen groups that have actually done the conversion is actually performing once they do it. Yeah, it probably comes, uh, it probably comes out as a little bit of a Frankenstein, you know, like you said, it's not <laughs> purpose built, right? Uh, yeah, that's it. And I'm interested to see if it can be done, especially if it's more themed, you know, Margaritaville and some of these, you know, Disney. Yeah. Some of these new themed, um, you know, resorts are really taking off and really hitting this 55 plus active adult segment. So I'd be interested to see, yeah, some some maybe um, you know really themed ones, or even a, like a timeshare concept or something, if that could yeah. work, where residents can move between different cities and things. I mean, I'm all about trying to think creative and innovative about it. I just haven't uh, seen it work yet. But I think a theme like a Margaritaville or something where you um, have a really, um, you know, targeted market, um, something like that could be interesting. Yeah. Or maybe a, a destination spa wellness resort becomes, yeah. some, you know, that's something a little more set up for that. So that's a great segue into my next question because you've worn so many hats um, as a podcaster, C-level executive, entrepreneur, 
Um, so what are some of the broader trends that you're seeing in the business of aging well? I'd say one is we're in um, two, two big thoughts come to right now. One's the labor markets and one is affordability. I think those are yeah. both challenges the industry has been trying to tackle for a while. Obviously, COVID has taken the forefront of that. But now, as we're exiting that um, COVID environment, I think we're we're focusing more on those larger problems that were around prior to it, and now because of COVID, I think has really put a uh, more of a target on on labor and ways that we can try to improve that um, in the industry. So affordability is something that you know the industry has always put their hands around. Um, you know, senior living is not is not cheap, as you know, yeah, uh, yeah. especially if you want all the bells and whistles. And uh, there's really uh, very limited states that have more kind of state-funded programs and Medicaid or, or need-based programs that help offset the um, the expenses on a you know on this uh, you know more higher-end product. So I think that's uh, one of the challenges continuing to see, and that kind of correlates into the labor markets because even pre-COVID, almost half of the operating expenses were labor-related. Uh, so it's a huge component of it. So as you know. As we're going through kind of record inflation right now, as um, you know, cost of living has increased. It's um, you know really paramount that we keep uh, keep an eye on these labor markets uh, because even a you know small increases to some of these positions can make a huge impact to the bottom line. And again, that goes into affordability because uh, the way way to offer offset rising costs is to increase your revenue and your rates. And that every you know dollar that we increase rates um, takes out you know a certain amount of affordability of demand that that can afford it. So I think to stay active in senior living, we have to keep affordable product, and to do that, we have to um, be mindful on the labor market. So how can we improve the labor markets? I'd say one thing is trying to leverage technology. I know we're doing that, but trying to make sure that one that you know folks that want to work know about the senior living industry and the different avenues to work into that and the ways to advance within that i think is amazing so ways we can do that and then just um, leveraging technology to to provide this labor pool with the exact you know jobs that are available um, an efficient way to do that of pairing folks together um, on top of the you know traditional recruitment means um, any ways we can do that as efficient as possible uh, there is, you know, definitely qualified folks. There's, there's folks that I think fall in love with the industry once they get into it and find out about it. Uh, so really targeting those people. I know different organizations are working with um, college programs too about implementing senior living fast track uh, operations and on the investment side or however. But um, you know, offering career advancement specifically in senior living, I think, is a great way uh, to continue to get. Uh, more uh, very passionate, qualified folks into the industry. Um, but overall, I think that, and then just repairing our reputation, I think that's something everyone can do. Uh, just putting out, continue to put out those positive messages, uh, share the good things that are going on in our communities. Um, so much attention gets on these negative things, but I love it when we we have stories about all the positive things that senior living is doing. Uh, so continuing the advance of reputation that way is a huge way to get the word out there. That hits you know the labor markets um and that also uh creates more demand and demand and supply is what uh, really affects the pricing as well so um those are the things that uh, yeah that i'm passionate about and i think are some of the major issues hitting the industry and continuing to hit the industry in the next um few years yeah and those two things uh they're they're difficult to reconcile because uh one of mm -hmm. the best ways to get better staff would be to pay more right and then right. if you pay more you got to charge more 
Yeah. So um, it, it's it's interesting to me. Uh, you have Argentum for the profit businesses and and Leading Age for the nonprofit, and then all these other organizations. But it seems difficult for the industry to come together with clear messaging. Do you see that changing, or is it going to continue to be segmented and siloed? Yeah, clear messaging. You mean as far as clear messaging coming out of COVID or just in general? Yeah, I mean, out of COVID to just to the to the media, to uh, adult children, to residents, like how do you get your messaging across so that it doesn't get written by someone else? That's one of the big challenges is to continue yeah. to get the messaging out there and the positive messaging, which I'm starting to see there's been so much negative uh, publicity and senior living and long-term care, obviously, um, you know, a lot of uh, breakout cases and challenges that that both segments have had has really gone through the news and, and really is what's been um, communicated to folks. So I think we're starting to see the reverse of that, getting some of these more positive stories out there. Um, one of the, you know, reasons I wanted to launch Vita Senior Living is uh, to help try to improve the industry. So again, having this positive messaging improvement, um, you know, the, the podcast is based on improving the industry, but um, really focused on these positive messaging. And I think that's how we really repair the industry. I think a lot of folks are still are still weary about moving folks into senior living. Um, so I want to get over that uh, hump that a lot of people have. Yeah. And I think the best way to do that is show all these amazing things that are going on and these amazing connections and upgraded lives that these uh, residents are experiencing. So for your um, your marketing messaging for Vita, um, I've heard sides that that talk about uh, the hospitality and the engagement and the social aspects. And then I've also heard the other side that says, oh, we need to get back to safety, security, healthcare, that sort of thing. Um, what kind of messaging are you going to come across with for Vita? Do you have anything in mind specifically? really based on upgraded lifestyles. So okay. a total wellness model, which healthcare is one component, um, but along with wellness, we're focused on connection and socialization. We're also um, focused on efficiency and innovation, leveraging you know the latest technologies to be efficient. And overall, just um, focused on that care and that uh, resident experience. So putting in that you know healthcare, but overall the wellness model, which is on all aspects of it, but improving um, the lifestyle. I think that's the future of senior living. That's really how we uh, compete with home health care and some of these other options is providing something that a resident can't get at home. And that's uh, really that life of that uh, senior living community. So I think that's really the message we need to come out of out of COVID is um, obviously the healthcare, you know, medication management, all of the, the amazing things, um, peace of mind that, that go into having your loved one live in the senior living community, but also um, that they want to move into a senior living. Still, I see it as a, a necessity. <laughs> it's not a destination that folks really choose. I'm like, oh, now I get to move into <laughs> right? So I think that's where we have to change the perception on. And I think part of that is getting all these amazing things, upgrading our programming, focusing on this, you know, socialization, um, you know, getting beyond kind of bingo and, and, and cards, but thinking on uh, ways that can really impact a resident's life. I love, you know, uh, having educational courses taught, um, you know, different uh, connection groups, um, you know, 
yoga and, and having some more group fitness, uh, I think is a, is a big part of the overall wellness model too. Um, so that's, I think really how we, how we work. Um, my, my thought improve our industry kind of going out of it is focus on all these amazing positive things our communities are doing, uh, right now and, and really improving lives of the residents. And, you know, it really comes back to, to what you started with, which is the culture, right? You can feel yeah. it. It's, it's, yeah. uh, visceral feeling. And uh, so what are some of the ways, the specific ways that you create a positive culture in, in your communities? Culture is everything. That's really what I learned early on, um, working with different operators and understanding what really makes a strong operator. And what I found, it was their culture. It was their way of messaging. It was the way of the employees thought about their job. It was a way that, um, you know, they just got along and, and had this um, overall atmosphere and environment when you visited any of the communities. So that's really what I was, what I'm trying to replicate, and, and that's all down to culture. A couple of things. Uh, one, I'd say the biggest part of culture is just having you know that strong leadership, having um, the ability to listen and then uh, give direction to the different communities uh, when it's necessary. Um, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, it's just having that support and guidance when it's when it's needed. Um, another big part of um, the culture, at least at uh, Vita Senior Living, is um, we really are focused on purpose, um, purpose for our residents. So there's a reason our residents are getting bed, out of bed each day. We want to really refine and define that for each resident. What's their purpose today? Why are they here, right? So it's, you know, instead of just getting up and going through the motions, it's really having a purpose. Maybe the purpose is um, for someone to water the garden. Maybe the purpose uh, is to, to help with the dining service. So really creating this purpose for each one of the residents. On top of that, creating purpose for our staff. So it's not just a job, right? You're not just clocking in and out, but your purpose is creating this upgraded lifestyle for the residents, creating these connections. How can you help this resident today? How can you upgrade this experience today? And that goes beyond, you know, just the care that goes into, does someone pick up a piece of trash when no one's looking? You know, it's things like that. You're not going to get credit for it, but picking up that trash will upgrade that resident experience later down the road because they're going to walk through and they're not going to see that trash there. So that's really where I see it um, is, is really focused on purpose. We, we also are focused on service. So a servant um, heart leads everything and then a family mindset as well. So instead of being employees, you're kind of extended family members. And that's one thing that goes into listening and providing that, you know, ongoing um, support. So listening through frustrations um, and which I think a lot of times is just what, you know, a lot of employees just want to be heard. <laughs> so it's providing that listening ear and providing, um, you know, guidance and solutions that make sense too. So that's overall what goes into it is really focused on leadership, um, a purposed mindset with leveraging technology and innovation, um, and then a family uh, environment as well, where all of our employees are more extended family members and not just employees clocking in and out. Well, Scott, that's so. Uh, that's the exactly what James Graber said about the picking up the piece of trash. I guess it's a really good indicator if somebody cares, right, about their facility, yeah. and the people in it. That's it, absolutely. And I like to the customer service mindset of um, Walt Disney World. You know, they they think they do a great job, uh, but if you walk around any of the Disney parks, you don't see visible trash <laughs> anywhere, which is hard to do with so many. Yes. <laughs> But that goes into their amazing culture. And, uh, you know, they don't call their employees employees, they're cast members, right? 
they all have this job, this purpose of uh, creating this, you know, this movie experience, if you will, for yeah. the um, for the guests that that visit the park. So um, that's kind of an idea of, of of what a culture can do to an organization and shows you, yes, uh, you don't see any trash anywhere in the Disney parks. <laughs> well, it'd be interesting to see what Disney does with their senior living, huh? <laughs> Totally interested to see that. I think it's, it's super smart. It's a great thing. I know they're starting with 55 plus, but obviously, yeah. as you know, that continuum is going to be needed. So I'd be interested to see how far they go in the care spectrum. And um, yeah, here in Florida and, and based in Orlando, I'm super interested. <laughs> well, if you don't want attrition, you kind of have to get the continuum of care eventually, right? <laughs> That's it. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting. So when Walt Disney first got into the business, they became hotel operators instead of working, you know, with third-party operators. Um, they came, they, they they studied and learned the resort business, and they became all in and they own and operate the resort. So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of do that with senior living. I know they've been cautious. Just so many hotel groups got into the business, Marriott and Hyatt and Hilton and some others um, about 15 years ago, and then they exited because of. Uh, concerns with care and how that might impact the overall brand. Be interesting uh, yeah. to see how that impacts Disney's decision. And um, if they if they get into more care-based um, options that have you know more risk to them, or if they'll kind of work with other operators to do that. So it'd be interesting to see and totally uh, be watching that and uh, curious to see how that goes. Yeah. Well, Scott, this might be an obvious answer, but what gets you most excited these days? <laughs> improving, <laughs> improving lives. That's that's the I forgot to mention. That's the mission of Vita Senior Living. It's improving lives one community at a time. So that's what our focus is too, and that's one big part of our culture and purpose. Is it's again, it's not just a job. It's how can we improve lives. So that's again each morning I, I try to picture a potential resident sitting at a community right now that's not happy, and then a potential resident at a dining service or whatever, sitting at my community, just super excited and thrilled and just loving life. That's what my motivation is each day is really trying to provide that upgraded you know, lifestyle and that happy resident. And so that's really my motivation factor right now is trying to improve lives. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. Nancy, thanks so much. No, it's an honor. I appreciate what you're doing. This is amazing. And this is a huge, huge way to improve our industry. So it's you and it's other folks that are doing shows like this, because I know it takes time. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> sometimes the listeners think these shows just go up there. There's a lot of work that goes into it. So I appreciate you and everything that you're doing to help improve the messaging and get this out there and, and help improve our industry as well. Well, Scott, I can't wait to see what Vita will do. Thanks, Nancy. I appreciate it. I appreciate your support. And it's been great to uh, connect with you on this. Thank you. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast.